Well, I want to minister for a few minutes this morning through a message I'm calling Sufficient Courage. The word sufficient means occurring in such quantity, quality, or scope as to fully meet every demand, every need, every expectation. In other words, what I'm saying is whenever a demand, a need, or expectation comes or a current demand, expectation, or need increases, then the supply must also be available or positioned to increase to meet the demand. If the supply is not greater than the demand, then the supply is considered insufficient. Friends, Jesus' blood was and is and will forever be sufficient to cleanse us from all sin and unrighteousness. Now, let me see if I can drive that point home. I want you to imagine with me for just a moment that I was to write you a check for $100. And in the account that I wrote that check from, my bank balance is $1,000. You'll have no problem with that check. Why? Because I have sufficient funds to meet the demand that is placed upon my account when that check is cash. Now, suppose I write you a check for $100 and I only have $50 in my account then that check will be returned to you under the rubber stamp of non-sufficient funds. In the second scenario, the demand of the check was greater than my account's ability to supply. Does that make sense so far? So when God said to the Apostle Paul, my grace is sufficient, he was in essence saying, Paul, the quality and the quantity and the scope of the grace that I have given you is sufficient to meet every demand, every need, and every expectation. Now, it's important you know this because due to the pandemic that has sequestered us in our homes, we are dealing with demands, needs, and expectations that have never been a part of our lives. I'm talking about demands, needs, and expectations that are ever-changing, ever-demanding, and ever-increasing. But once again, whenever the demand increases for the believer, then the supply of grace increases as well. That is precisely what Papa was getting at when he said to Paul, my grace is sufficient. Now, I can't speak for you, so I'll speak for me. I find great comfort in seeing this same principle, the principle of supply and demand at work regarding sin and grace. The scriptures declare where sin increased, grace increased all the more. Why does this happen, you ask? So that grace can bring supply to every demand, every need, every expectation, every disappointment, and every failure. If grace wasn't sufficient when we sin, then we will be put back under the demand, the need, and the expectations of the old covenant. But friends, grace is sufficient. Jesus' once-for-all sacrifice was sufficient, and through Jesus' sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are made holy. That single truth should release on the inside of you and me, us and we, every one of us, a sufficient courage. In Romans chapter 5, verses 20 and 21, we find this truth. The law was brought in so that the trespass might increase. <laughs> Watch these words, though. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more. Where the demand increased, 
the supply increased all the more. So that, just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Would you like to know what excites me about that verse, that verse, Romans chapter 5 and verse 20? The verse that declares where sin increased, grace increased all the more. Well, friends, it's not that I can go out in sin. That is not what excites me about that verse. It's in knowing how vast, how deep, how wide, and how great the Father's supply of grace really is. The Bible says where sin increased, grace increased all the more. Wherever the pandemic increased, grace increased all the more. Whenever the demand, the need, the expectation increases, grace increases all the more. Wherever the unemployment line increases, grace increases all the more. Where bank account failures increase, grace increases all the more. Where cases and death toll increase, grace increases all the more. Friends, let me tell you something. The scriptures that I just read from Romans chapter 5, cause the religious crowd to lose their cotton-picking minds. But when you're on the receiving end of this ever-increasing grace, <laughs> then it releases a sufficient courage on the inside of you that beckons the cry, but my God shall supply all my need, all my demand, and all my expectation according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus our Lord. But my God shall supply a sufficient grace that helps me in my time of need. He helps me to meet every demand, every need, and every expectation, and with his supply, his grace releases in us a sufficient courage. Now let me ask you a question. Why does grace increase in the midst of sin? That's a good question, isn't it? Why does grace increase in the midst of sin? Why does grace increase in the midst of our willful and sinful acts? Well, friends, that's because that's when we need grace the most. Grace increases so that our sufficient courage does not collapse. It increases so that grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Friends, the revelation of Papa's unconditional love releases in us sufficient courage. The revelation of Papa's extravagant grace releases in us sufficient courage. The revelation of Papa's breathtaking and hopeful endings releases in us a sufficient courage. The revelation of Papa's confident expectation and joyful celebration releases in us sufficient courage. The revelation of the collection of exquisite and delightful treasures that are freely given to us by our thoughtful and caring Father releases in us sufficient courage. The revelation of Papa's eternal life that he gives us releases in us sufficient courage. And friends, listen to me. The revelation of Papa's Son, Jesus, I'm talking about the darling of heaven, releases inside of you and me a sufficient courage. Amen? The Merriam-Webster definition for courage is this. Courage speaks of the mental or moral strength to venture, to persevere, and withstand danger, fear, or difficulty. Now listen to what I'm about to say here. Courage is the ability to meet danger and difficulties with decisiveness and strength. Did you hear what I said? Let me say it again. Courage is the ability 
to meet danger and difficulties with decisiveness and strength. Now, the Latin root word for courage is core. Do you hear the Latin root word core in courage? Courage. Courage. The Latin root word for courage is core, which means heart. The core of an apple is the heart of the apple. And with that in mind, we can see that courage, or the lack thereof, is a heart issue. Did you know that our hearts process trillions of bits of data in a single day? Our hearts are full of information and statistics, facts and figures, numbers and records, documents and files, and our hearts are full of sounds and pictures. There is no circus clown that has the ability to outjuggle the human heart. Our hearts deal with reasoning and logic. Our hearts aspire with hopes and dreams. Our hearts sort truths and lies. And our hearts wrestle with feelings and emotions. In light of the coronavirus, the feelings and emotions that have been stirred across the surface of millions of hearts is the fear of disease, the fear of deficiency, and the fear of death. Friends, let me say something to you. The gas range in my kitchen is not afraid of my refrigerator, even though my refrigerator stands right next to it and towers over it. Now let me ask the question, why is my range not afraid of my refrigerator? I'll tell you why. It's because my range does not operate by feelings and emotions. It turns on when I tell it to turn on, and it turns off when I tell it to turn off. It goes to the temperature that I select, and it beeps at me when the timer expires. It receives its direction and correction from a man with a beating heart. Likewise, we should receive our direction and correction by the man with a beating heart, namely Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something about feelings and emotions. They're God-given. There's no question about that. But they should always be passengers in the backseat of our vehicle and never behind the wheel. I'm going to tell you something. Feelings and emotions in the driver's seat are a wreck waiting to happen. Have you ever noticed that feelings and emotions present themselves differently in darkness than they do in the light? <laughs> you see, we interpret differently in the dark than we do in the light because that which we cannot see or explain, we have to make up with imagination. A sound that you wouldn't give a second thought to if heard throughout the day spooks you if heard at night. Friends, your kitchen range makes for a lousy refrigerator, and your refrigerator makes for a lousy range. And so it is with our feelings and emotions. They will deplete you of sufficient courage, and they are lousy guides. It is the Spirit, the Bible says, that guides us in all truth and righteousness. Friends, the dark cloud that is loitering over our nation, referred to as this coronavirus, is not God's judgment, neither is it the end. Its demands are dark and insufficient, but our Jesus is light and all-sufficient. Friends, we are children of light. The Bible says in John chapter 12, verse 36, put your trust in the light. While there is still time, then you will become children of the light. I love that scripture. Steve Turner is a music journalist from England and the author of the book called The Band That Played On. This book chronicles the story of the eight extraordinary musicians, including their violinist leader named Wallace Hartley, 
who went down with the Titanic as they continued to play their instruments on the deck of that sinking ship. Are you kidding me? That happened? Yes, it did. The most frequent question Steve, the author of that book, has ever been asked is, why the Titanic's eight musicians continued to play on the deck even as the ship was sinking? Were they told to do so by the captain? No. Was it part of their job description? Of course not. Did they think they would be saved? Absolutely not. Well, there was a musician who had previously served under Wallace Hartley by the name of L. Juan Moody. Sometime after the Titanic was lost at sea, Mr. Moody told a British newspaper, I remember one day I asked Wallace what he would do if he were ever on a sinking ship, and he replied, I don't think I would do better than to play, O oh God, our help in ages past, or Nearer, my God to Thee, the very hymn that Hartley's own father wrote. So it appears almost certain that Wallace Hartley had contemplated, he had thought about being on a sinking ship, and he had already decided how he would respond. He believed that music had the ability to prevent panic, and that music had the ability to create calm. In answering his friend's question, Wallace Hartley had chosen his final piece of music. Charlotte Collier, a Titanic survivor, said these words, They kept it up to the very end. Only the engulfing ocean had the power to drown them in the silence. The band was playing nearer, my God, to thee. I could hear it distinctly. The end was very close. Friends, if there was ever a time to be moved by feelings and emotion, if there was ever a time for the range to talk to the refrigerator, surely this would have been it. Friends, let me remind you what real courage, sufficient courage, looks like. It is the ability to meet danger and difficulties with decisiveness and strength. You say, Mark, with that which is taking place in our economy and our health system, surely this is a time for panic and fear. No, it's not. Surely the world is coming to end. No, it's not. Friends, this is the time to stand upright with sufficient courage. This is the time to allow grace to increase over disease, deficiency, and death. This is the time for light to speak into the darkness, for sufficiency to speak into lack. This is the time for power and love and a sound mind to drown out the spirit of fear. You see, Mr. Hartley and the other seven musicians were not led by feelings and emotions. They were led by the Spirit. Led by the Spirit to inject calm into chaos. Led by the Spirit to inject peace into panic. Led by the Spirit to inject sufficient courage into sudden calamity. And as children of light, we should not be led by contagious feelings and emotions. We are to be led by the Spirit of God. We see that truth ratified in Romans chapter 8, verses 14 and 15. For those who are led, look at those words, by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves. Look at these words, so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. I love that. He brought about your adoption to sonship, and by Him we cry, Abba. 
Papa. We cry, Abba, Daddy. We cry, Abba, Father. The Bible says the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. Did you know that prior to an adoption, the judge must first issue a decree that permanently ends all legal parental rights of the birth parents to the child? You see, if the judge didn't do this first, then you'd have two daddies and two mamas simultaneously, which would cause confusion. The decree that ends all legal parental rights of the birth parents must occur before a child is considered to be legally free for adoption. Friends, that's what Jesus' blood did for us on the cross. His blood issued a decree permanently ending all legal rights that the law held us under. His blood released a grace that harnessed a greater supply than the demand of the law. His grace is greater in quality. His grace is greater in quantity than disease, than deficiency, and death. And when the revelation of that truth takes root in a man's heart, it will leave that man in a state of sufficient courage. Romans chapter 7 and verse 6 says these words, But now by dying to what once bound us, we have been released from the law, so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit, and not in the old way of the written code. Friends, the written code stripped a man of confidence and courage because he was always bound to rules and commandments. He was always breaking them. The new covenant releases in us so that we can serve in the new way of the Spirit and walk in sufficient courage. How does the new covenant do this? Because there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. In Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 through 21, the Apostle Paul said these words, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. What is Paul talking about? Paul has so much grace at work in his heart that he has the audacity to play the violin as his own ship is sinking. I believe at the core of my heart that what is taking place across the world with this coronavirus is actually going to serve to advance the gospel. I want you to remember this. The Apostle Paul wrote most of his letters while confined, either in prison or under house arrest. The letter to the Philippians was no exception. Friends, this is the time for believers to release peace in the midst of panic, calm in the midst of chaos, sufficient courage in the midst of sudden calamity. He says, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. That doesn't mean that the enemy's demand was greater than the Spirit's supply. Oh no. Paul was saying, this is where I was supposed to end up. You see, friends, Jacob's son Joseph went from the pet to the pit, to the palace, to the prison, to the prime minister. There are going to be some ups and downs in life. It's part of the journey. But Joseph said to his brother these words, you intended to harm me, 
but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. I want you to meditate on that as you consider your own sequestered world and your own momentary confinement. Paul said, as a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Now, I have to ask a question. How did Paul's brothers and sisters become more confident in the Lord because Paul is in chains? I can't make that connection with my brain. I believe that Paul, while in prison and under house arrest, had plenty of time to consider the words that Papa spoke to him in the midst of his own pain. Do you remember the words when he said, My grace is sufficient? Friends, you cannot give away. You cannot impart that which you do not possess. Paul was in essence saying the quality and the quantity and the scope of the grace that I have been given is sufficient to meet every demand every need, and every expectation. I believe that it was the Apostle Paul's steadfast confidence and sufficient courage that made the gospel of grace irresistible and extremely contagious. He says, And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. He said, It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. But watch what he says. But what does it matter? He says the important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Friends, those words literally brought me to tears this morning as I meditated upon them. He said, the important thing is that in every way, Christ is preached. I love Paul's heart and Paul's message to the church. He doesn't care what your motives are, whether selfish or sincere. He doesn't care what your denomination is. He says the important thing is that Christ is preached. Paul knew that the power unto salvation existed in the name of Jesus alone. And for that reason, he rejoiced when Christ was preach. He goes on to say, yes, and I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and God's provision, or another way to say that, and through God's supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, look at these words, but will have sufficient courage. Friends, that is where the inspiration of this message came from. The Apostle Paul says, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now as always Christ will be exalted in my body, 
whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Friends, the wonderful truths that reach out to us from the message today are these. No matter the demand, his supply is always greater, and in Christ we have all sufficiency. Jesus' shed blood was sufficient to cleanse us from all sin and all unrighteousness. Jesus' blood sets us free from the fear of disease, the fear of deficiency, and the fear of death. At a time when demands and needs and expectations are ever-changing and ever-increasing, we can be assured that His grace increases all the more. This leaves us with a confident expectation, a contagious joy, and a sufficient courage. The Father has established our hearts in grace. This grace releases the courage to meet danger and difficulties with decisiveness and strength. We stand in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, and when we face dark clouds, we put ourselves in remembrance of the words that Papa spoke to Paul when he said, My grace is sufficient. Sufficient grace. Sufficient courage. We are not led by feelings and emotions. We are led by the beating heart of the sweet Holy Spirit, the one that guides us into all truth and righteousness. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father, Daddy. We cry, Papa, Father, through the death of Jesus on the cross, our Father has issued a decree permanently ending all legal parental rights of the law. We have been legally adopted into Daddy's family, a family whereby we shelter in place and are safer at home. This is our Christ. This is our covenant. This is our confidence. And this, my friends, is our sufficient courage. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, Father, I want to thank you as I look across the timeline of this word, a word that is designed to bring comfort in the midst of uncertain times. Father, as that dark cloud hangs over this nation and the nations of the world, I want to thank you that the supply of grace is greater, greater than any demand, any need, any expectation, that these issues of life can create. The supply from Christ is greater because He is our supply. I want to thank you, Father, for the men and women that stand in the pulpits across the world today and preach Christ, for in Him is the power unto salvation. It makes my heart rejoice. I want to thank you, Father, as we pray for these men and women who preach Christ, that there is a sufficient courage that is beginning to build in their hearts. Father, I thank you that our hearts are established in grace. And with this grace, it releases the courage to meet danger and difficulties with decisiveness and strength. We stand in Christ. We're seated in Christ. We can do all things through Christ because He's the one that strengthens us. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. Every tongue that shall rise against us in judgment thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, 
saith the Lord. I want to thank you, Father, that you've adopted us into your family, whereby we shelter in place and we're safer at home in the arms of our loving Jesus Christ. And I want to thank you for that, Father, that we are no longer slaves to fear. Rather, by the Spirit, you have brought about our adoption as sons, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. By him we cry, sufficient Christ. By him we cry, sufficient courage. In Jesus' name, amen.